As you probably gathered this morning, we're going to be talking about the second coming, the return of Christ, the rapture of His church, if you will. Our sermon series, Stories That Change the World, brings us to Matthew 25, verses 1-13 through of the parable of the ten virgins. Now whenever I think about Jesus' second coming, I'm reminded of the preacher who was speaking on the topic. And as he was getting into his sermon, he came to the place where he stepped aside from the pulpit and stood on the edge of the stage and... Um, Turn me down just a little bit, Karen, would you? Just a hair. Stepped to the edge of the stage and and he uh, read, quoted, Revelation 22 and verse 12 where Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. Then his mind went blank and he forgot the rest of the verse. And so he thought to himself, well, I've got to try this one more time. So... He mustered up a little more enthusiasm and he said, Behold, I am coming soon. Still couldn't remember the rest of the verse. He got, he, i got to try this one more time. And so, mustering up all the energy he possibly could, he shouted at the top of his lungs, Behold, I am coming soon. And with that, he tripped over his microphone cord, took a flying leap off the stage, and landed in the lap of someone in the first row of pew. He picked himself up and he said, I'm so, so sorry. And she looked up at him and said, Well, it's okay. I should have known you were coming. You warned me three times. Likewise, Jesus has warned us over and over again that He is coming soon. There are over 300 references in the New Testament to His return. And sooner or later, and by the way, I think more sooner than later, Jesus is going to come again. The question is, are you ready? Are you prepared Let's begin today's study of this parable of the ten virgins by looking at the Scripture together. Now before we work our way verse by verse through today's text, let's pause and ask the Lord to speak to us clearly. Would you bow your head and pray with me? Father, we ask once again that You would quicken Your Word to our hearts and lives. That You would open our eyes that we would see and our ears that we would hear and our minds that we would understand and our hearts that we would receive the truth of what You want to teach to us today. We are Your disciples sitting at Your feet, Master Teacher. Jesus, teach us today what we need to learn. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we work our way through these 13 verses at the beginning of Matthew 25, I want you to notice three things with me. The setting, the story, and the sense. So let's begin with the setting. It's found in the first four verses of Matthew 25. Look at them, follow along in your Bible as I read. Matthew 25 verse 1, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars 
along with their lamps. Now notice that that verse 1 begins, at that time. At what time? Well, this is a continuation of Jesus' teaching about the end times from Matthew chapter 24. And specifically, the last two verses of the preceding chapter deal with the Master's return. And so it is at that time, at the time of the rapture of the church, Jesus coming again, that the kingdom of heaven will be like these ten virgins in this parable. Now let me stop before we go any further and help us better understand the setting for this parable by giving a little bit of history about the Jewish customs surrounding marriage when Jesus told the story. Neil Lightfoot tells us, Among the Jews, the marriage of a boy and girl was looked upon as a matter that affected the whole family. The decision as to whom a son or daughter might marry was made by the parents or guardians. The arrangements were often agreed upon when the couple were still children. As the proposed marriage neared, a formal betrothal ceremony was held. And at this time, a dowry was paid to the parents of the bride. The transaction was regarded as final, and the betrothal was absolutely binding. Following the betrothal, there was an interval of several months or up to a year or so before the marriage was consummated. And at the time of the wedding, which usually took place at night, a procession was held. Now, Herbert Lockyer comments about this wedding procession. He writes... Marriage customs required that the bridegroom actually go to the house of the bride and fetch her back to his own. Then as he returns with his bride at various points along the route, friends of the bride and bridegroom join the procession and go into the marriage feast at the groom's home. So with that picture in mind, then evidently these ten virgins were friends of the bride and or the bridegroom. And they were waiting en route for the arrival of the wedding procession so that they could join it and join the celebration at the marriage feast. And as was the custom, they had brought along their lamps, which looks something like this in the picture. They were filled with olive oil, and because they were so small, it was always wise to carry an extra jar of oil in case it was needed. Now, I tell you all of that, and obviously those in Jesus' original audience understood everything I just told you. I mean, it was a part of their everyday lives, but I wanted to provide this setting for this parable just so that we could get a better understanding of the customs and the culture surrounding this particular story. That leads us then to the heart of the story, which is found in verses 5 through 12. Follow along in your Bible as I read it. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on the way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Now the storyline to this parable is pretty easy to understand, I think. 
while they were waiting for the wedding procession, especially since it was so long in coming, these ten virgins fell asleep. At midnight, they woke up to the announcement of the coming bridegroom. And it says they quickly trimmed their lamps, which is another way of saying that they cut away the burnt part of the wicks and filled the lamps with oil. And it was at this juncture that the five foolish virgins discovered that they were short on oil. They asked to borrow some from the five wise virgins. However, there wasn't enough oil to go around. And so these five foolish virgins had to hurry off to Walmart or someplace (laughs) that was open 24 hours, I suppose, and try to find some oil. While they were gone, the bridegroom came. And the wedding party, including the five wise virgins, went into the house for the wedding feast. When the five foolish virgins finally returned, the door had already been shut and bolted. And in spite of their pleas, they were left outside. Now that's the story, very simple as it is. Which brings us to the sense. It's found in verse 13. What is the sense of this parable? What is Jesus' point? What's the moral of the story here? What's the main principle that He intended to teach us? Look at verse 13. It says, Jesus says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Now obviously the bridegroom in this parable represents Jesus. And the ten virgins represent you and me as we wait for Jesus' second coming. And the sense here is that we must keep watch, that we must be ready at all times and prepared in every way because we don't know the day or the hour when Jesus will come. Well, that's a look at the Scripture. Now, what lessons can we learn from our study together? Again, there's no doubt that the main lesson to be learned from this parable is a lesson about readiness. Readiness. We are to keep watch. We are to be prepared. We are to stay alert. We are to live with a sense of anticipation and expectation that the bridegroom, Jesus, is coming. Now this theme of watchfulness is one that Jesus repeated over and over again in His teaching. Here are just a few Scripture verses that I selected to demonstrate how much emphasis He put on being ready. Matthew 24, verse 42, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Mark 13, verses 32 through 37, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Luke 12, verses 35-40. through Let's read this one out loud together. Would you read it with me? 
Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master to return. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. Luke 21, verse 36, Be always on watch that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Revelation 16, verse 15, Jesus says, Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake. And I could go on and on with many other Scriptures, but I just wanted to give us a feel for the theme of readiness of anticipating, of expecting Jesus' return. And therefore, from this parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25, I would like to draw out five practical applications about readiness. Five warnings, if you will, about our being prepared for the rapture, for Jesus' return. Number one, we cannot neglect full preparation and expect to be ready. We cannot neglect full preparation and expect to be ready. It strikes me as significant that this parable is not about those who have never made any preparation for Jesus' return. Rather, this parable is addressed to those who are not fully prepared. The lesson Jesus teaches in these verses is aimed at those who have received an invitation, who have answered that invitation, but whose preparation is incomplete. The application is intended for those who are almost ready, for those who are nearly prepared. Did you catch that? And therefore the warning in this parable might very well be for you. For me. Look again at verse 5. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. I wonder if that isn't a picture of the church today. We think to ourselves, the Lord hasn't come back in all of these years. He's not about to come today. Come on. And we yawn ourselves to sleep spiritually. Our walk with the Lord becomes pretty nonchalant. We have lost our sense of anticipation. We don't really expect Jesus to return. And quite honestly, we aren't ready. We aren't fully prepared. We're walking in our sleep. We're stumbling around in spiritual slumber. And this parable is our wake-up call. Jesus is saying, wake up, keep watch, stay alert, be ready. Let me ask you a question. If you knew that Jesus was going to come back tonight at 8 o'clock, what would you do with the rest of your day today? 
Now, I know the Bible says no one knows but the Father Himself. But go with me for just a moment on this. If you knew that today was the day and 8 o'clock tonight was the hour, what would you need to do in the next eight and a half hours in order to be fully prepared for His coming? Now, I'm just going to let that sentence kind of hang there for a minute. What would you need to do in order to be fully prepared. See, the bottom line is that if Jesus did return today, would we be ready? Would He find us fully prepared? Is, there, is everything in order in our lives? If there is anything that is amiss in our relationship with God, if there's any business that we need to take care of when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, we better take care of it with a sense of urgency. So first, we cannot neglect full preparation and expect to be ready. Number two, we cannot prepare at the time of the event. We cannot prepare at the time of the event. The five foolish virgins found out the hard way that once the bridegroom comes, it's too late to make preparation. They hurried off to buy their oil, but when they returned, their opportunity had passed them by and they were shut outside. Legend has it that one day Satan was feeling pretty discouraged because he felt he wasn't making much progress, that the church was being victorious and he felt he needed to do something about it. So he called three of his most trusted emissaries into his inner chamber for counsel. Guys, we've got to figure out a new strategy. Any ideas? And the first emissary stepped up and said, Sir, I suggest that we tell everyone if there ever was a God, He is now dead. He no longer exists. Satan shook his head. No, we tried that. Anybody who has eyes to see can look around and see that there is a God. The second emissary stepped forward and said, Sir, I think we should pull out all the stops. We should persecute these Christians, putting them through the fire like never before. And again, Satan shook his head and said, No, we tried that tactic too. Every time we persecute the church, even when we have forced it to go underground, it just grows even more and comes out even stronger. There was a long pause. And then the third emissary spoke. Sir, I suggest that we tell all the people there is a God and He is very much alive and well. I suggest we withhold our persecution and let the church get comfortable. And I suggest that we tell everyone that Jesus Christ is the one and only way to be saved, that there's no other way to get to heaven but through Him. But I suggest that we assure them that there's plenty of time. They don't need to do anything about their relationship with Christ today. They're always going to be tomorrow. You can get ready. You can prepare later. And Satan shouted with glee. He said, that's it. That's the strategy that we're going to use. Now again, I know that's just a legend. But I want you to know, that's exactly the strategy Satan's been using. And unfortunately, it's working. Friends, I want us to understand that when Jesus comes, we cannot prepare then. 
It's too late. So second, we cannot prepare at the time of the event. Number three, we cannot borrow from others what we must secure for ourselves. We cannot borrow from others what we must secure for ourselves. Now at first glance, we might think these five wise virgins are being kind of selfish and not sharing their oil with the five foolish virgins, but not so. As they said in verse 9, there may not be enough for both us and you. You see, there are some things in life that cannot be shared. And one of those things is salvation. One of those things is our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. One of those things is our readiness for the coming bridegroom. We cannot enter the kingdom of heaven on someone else's preparation. We cannot attend the wedding feast on someone else's ticket. Readiness is something we must do for ourselves. And I am accountable. You are accountable. Each of us is accountable before God individually. And whether or not we're ready for Jesus' coming is up to each one of us personally. Enough said. So third, you cannot borrow from others what we must secure for ourselves. Number four, we cannot recall lost or wasted opportunities. We cannot recall lost or wasted opportunities. I bet the five foolish virgins just wish they could turn back the clock and do it all over again, don't you? But the opportunity had come and gone. And verse 10 echoes the finality of it all when it says, and the door was shut. There was no second chance. And let's remember that the door of opportunity is going to shut on each and every one of us someday, either by our death or by Jesus' return, whichever happens first. One day our door of opportunity will be closed, either when our physical life here on this earth ends or when the Lord comes back again, whichever happens first. In either case, once the door is shut, we cannot recall lost or wasted opportunities. There is no do-over. What's done is done. And what's not done is not done. So here's the key. Fill in the blank there in your notes. The only way to be ready on that day is to be ready every day. The only way to be ready on that day is to be ready every day. Day To live our everyday lives with readiness, with a sense of expectation that this could in fact be the very day when Jesus comes again. So fourth, we cannot recall lost or wasted opportunities. And number five, we cannot prepare outwardly without preparing inwardly. We cannot prepare outwardly without preparing inwardly. Now on the outside, think about this for a minute. On the outside, the five foolish virgins and the five wise virgins looked pretty much alike. They were both waiting for the bridegroom. They were dressed in their wedding garments. They were carrying their lamps. And at first glance, from all outer appearances, it appeared as as though there were simply ten young maidens who were pretty much the same. But it was what was on the inside that counted. 
The five wise virgins had lamps that were full. The five foolish virgins had lamps that were empty. Now, I don't want to stretch this too far, but oil in the Bible is often symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And if we apply that here in this parable, that would mean the five wise virgins were Spirit-filled. They had the fire of the Holy Spirit burning within them, whereas the five foolish virgins were spiritually empty. They were void of the Holy Spirit in their hearts and lives. Reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew 23, verses 25 through 28. Let's read this out loud together. Would you read it with me? Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Can I be honest? I think there may be a whole lot of surprised churchgoers when Jesus comes again. There may be a lot of people who have been play-acting through this whole thing that's the word hypocrite, by the way, who have been wearing the mask, who appear to be Christians on the outside, speaking all the right words and doing all the right things, but on the inside in their hearts, they have never truly been converted. They haven't been born again. And my plea with you is, please, don't be one of those people. So fifth, we cannot prepare outwardly without preparing inwardly. Five applications about readiness. Five warnings, if you will, about our preparation for the second coming. Number one, we cannot neglect full preparation and expect to be ready. Which leads me to ask, what do you need to do right now to be fully prepared for Jesus' return? If there is anything you need to do in your relationship with Christ, now is the time. Today is the day to take care of that business. Number two, we cannot prepare at the time of the event. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait until that door shuts and it's too late. And number three, we cannot borrow from others what we must secure for ourselves. It is your personal responsibility to be ready. Nobody else can do that for you. Number four, we cannot recall lost or wasted opportunities. There is no second chance, no do-over in this life, folks. And number five, we cannot prepare outwardly without preparing inwardly. We might be able to fake out others with our outer appearance, but we can never fake out God. Because He knows our heart. The real us. Stories that change the world. This morning we've taken a closer look here at Matthew 25, 1-13. The parable of the ten virgins. Sooner or later... And I believe more sooner than later, Jesus is going to come again. And the question is, are you ready?